A young royal from the far north is sent south for a political marriage. Alone and sometimes reviled, she has only her servants on her side. Rabbit, a handmaiden sold by her parents to the palace, befriends the emperor's lonely new wife and gets more than she bargained for. Treat Your Shelf, a book club podcast where each month we read a book and come together to discuss it. I'm Hannah. And I'm Christina. And today we will be discussing The Empress of Salt and Fortune by Nevo. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> first, we're going to give our non-spoiler reviews. Christina, what did you think of this novella? Um, okay, so I really liked it. <laughs> I was really like I really drew it out but yeah <laughs> <laughs> I really liked it um I thought it was really cute it had like a really um it had like a fable feel to it mm. kind of um like a really traditional type story feel to it um yeah I I love the setting I love the feeling of it um I love how much we learn about like Chinese culture mm -hmm. and about the dynasties and just like I said about the culture in general um just from these tales alone yeah I thought it was really cute um and this is the first in a series called the singing hills cycle yes. there's at least one other novel I don't know how many there are gonna be yeah I don't know either what do you think Hannah yeah uh, so this novella was both super simple and incredibly complex at the yeah. same time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> on my Nook, I think it was around 67 pages. And within those pages, there was an amazing amount of world building. So many details were packed into each page. Uh, but it somehow didn't feel terribly dense. Like, it was packed with details, but... I don't know. It still felt like a, a light, interesting read, if that makes sense. Um, it was beautifully written. Uh, and I kept wanting to get to the part where I would be able to answer Rabbit's question at the end of each chapter of, do you yes. understand? <laughs> yes. I was, I was like, like, I, I want don't... to understand. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what I'm supposed to understand yet. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I, I just yeah. want to understand. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, just all around, it was a lovely little novella. I really mm -hmm. liked it. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. I liked it. Yeah. All right, then. Well, now we're going to get into our spoiler-filled discussion. If you have not read The Empress of Salt and Fortune yet and do not want to be spoiled, pause this podcast, go read it. It's short. Then come back and listen to us as we discuss it. Um, if you've already read the book or are fine with being spoiled, then keep listening. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we start off and we meet Chi and Almost Brilliant. Mm -hmm. uh, Chi is a cleric from the Singing Hills. Uh, and Almost Brilliant, Brilliant is a hoopoo. Did you look up what the hoopoo bird looks yes. like? Oh <gasps> my gosh. I... You the listeners can't see it, but I drew a little picture of it oh, in my, my notes. Oh my gosh! 
because it was so adorable. It's Everyone so look up a picture of a hoopoo. It's H-O-O-P-O-E. Mm-hmm. Uh, such a cute little bird. So cute. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, with, with Chi and Almost Brilliant, we're just honestly plopped right into this world. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's already so much world building going on there. They're like on this road or like they're in the woods. They're making their way um, to this place. We're not really sure exactly what they're doing yet, but they're talking about like the protections are gone now. Now it's OK for us to go there. Um yeah (laughs) it's just a lot of stuff going on right we know that they're going to this place called scarlet lake and there is this funeral procession for an empress Mm. that i don't think that they pass by on the way but maybe they just talk about like i think the because they mentioned the palanquin going by and how that could only belong Ooh, that's to one, how you say that word? one person. Palanquin. I looked it up so many times. I, you know, that's one of those words that I've always seen in novels and I never know how to pronounce. I always thought it was like palanquin. Okay, um, that's how I always pronounce it in my head. <laughs> but then I looked it up and then I think the audiobook, I don't know. I feel like when you, when I highlighted it in my nook, it was like pal and then in Quinn. Palanquin. Palanquin. But I could be completely wrong. <laughs> Help. But yeah, it passed by. And I feel like I wasn't sure because uh, they mentioned it it being like it could only belong to one person. Uh, mm-hmm. But then they also mentioned like the old impre- empress and the young empress and like the new empress is heading to the capital. Uh, and so I wasn't quite sure what was going on. With mm-hmm. Palakin and right, yeah, they were they were like it can only belong to one one living woman, so mm-hmm. the new empress. Um, but yeah, so just like have that in the back of your mind. There's something going on, yeah, in the capital with a new empress as as Chi and almost brilliant are making their way to Lake Scarlet, and we eventually. I'm not sure how quickly we learn this, but we learn that it is the former empress's like compound place a place that she spent a good amount of time at mm-hmm. they get there and she is wondering if looters have already managed to get here even though it's only recently been open for people to come uh because there's like a lantern on but nope that's when they get to meet rabbit yes so she's called rabbit because she has two large front teeth of yeah. course, yeah. <laughs> which is uh, pretty funny to imagine. Um, I wonder how pronounced they actually were. But right, wait. Do we know? Do they ever mention her real name? Um, I don't think they do. I don't have it written down. I. It's one of those things where they where she, where Rabbit says that. You know, she was made fun of uh, for her teeth, and so then that's why she was called Rabbit. But then, hey, look at me now. I'm all old, and I have all of my teeth, so... (laughs) Yeah, good for her. So, yeah, so she's fine with the name, I think, at this point. (laughs) Right. And they call her Rabbit as she's a handmaiden in the um, palace, or the, Mm -hmm. the Empress's palatial home. 
Um, so <laughs> yeah. Uh- <laughs> so, so we, I guess I, I gave it up a little early, but yeah. So we learned that the grandmother was a handmaiden for the Empress. Uh, and this is going to be the Empress of Salt and Fortune, the novel's mm-hmm. namesake. Um, mm-hmm. And she introduces herself to her or themselves to her and Mm. they kind of go through a series of stories together and that's what this novella encompasses Mm -hmm. yeah we come to find that she as as this cleric their job is kind of to chronicle and and like catalog things so mm-hmm. they um, they had been on their way to the capital to, I guess, take notes and uh, about the new empress. And there's an upcoming eclipse as well. Yes. Uh, but then they, because now the um, all of these different places across the the country are now, accessible they hadn't been uh empress inyo had like cordoned them off and had her like wizards i think they're the wizards or like sorcerers i mages raise them yeah they have them uh basically make it so nobody can access those sites during her life but then now that she's passed they can go and access these places so we get to see chi as they go through um this place so lake scarlet and they find out that the servants there used to call it thriving fortune so you'll probably hear us say like lake scarlet or thriving fortune or compound Mm -hmm. or palace or there will be a mix of ways to refer to the place but they're going to go through and basically see what artifacts they can find and what stories they can get from them. And thankfully for them, they have a rabbit there who actually lived through like the reign of Empress Inyo, not only lived through it, but was by her side, was um, a servant in the palace, and so really has a firsthand account of all of these things and can tell them um, what each of the objects really stands for. Yes. Yeah. And so each chapter starts off with this like poem or I guess segment of prose to kind of introduce that object. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually don't remember what the first object is. The <laughs> first one was they were focusing on um the seal uh oh, the seal the... fur the seal fur dress the seal fur yes. outfit um that's that's the first one that we get to see so rabbit tells yes. the story first first rabbit starts off telling her story of how she came to the capital at um like five years old mm-hmm. uh because her parents needed to pay their taxes they were like five like barrels short of something yeah and so then they're like well send our daughter that'll make us even Mm -hmm. so so she was sent to the palace of gleaming light in the capital um, where she spent time working as a as a servant there yes and then uh, that's when Prince or the Empress Enyo came down uh, to marry the Emperor. So she came from the north uh, to broker a deal of peace, basically. 
um, with the emperor. Um, so it's just known at this time that the uh, kingdom of An, mm-hmm. um, which is the southern kingdom, has just had a long waging war with the kingdom of the north. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, I guess you can kind of infer that they're like an Inuit type people. Mm. Um, they don't really say wh- who they are specifically, but the people of the South just kind of have so many just rumors of the people of the North. Yes. They think they're just all witches and sorcerers and, uh, just not to be trusted, Mm, a lot of comments about how ugly Inyo is. Yes, how like round face she is mm-hmm. and just how round in general she is. Yeah. And uh, basically, they're just really awful to her. Uh, yes. I think every time they talk about her, it's just not nice at all. Well, yeah, they, they don't have anything nice to say about they don't they don't think she's particularly smart. They don't think she's beautiful. They don't think that she can really amount to anything. They're like, you're just here to have an heir. That's it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, But she also happens to be the highest ranking wife of the emperor. So Mm -hmm. she does have power. um, Yes. Which is thankful. I mean, thankfully for her. Yes. So in this particular dynasty structure, the emperor does have several wives mm-hmm. um, and there is sort of like a case system within the wife structure. So there are other wives who are quote unquote, like more beautiful and mm-hmm. <laughs> obviously jealous of the empress. And you get a sense that as soon as the emperor is like done with them in whatever sense he deems, he just banishes them. Yes. <laughs> He's yeah. banishing wives left and right. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, even the quote-unquote most beautiful one, she gets exiled Mm -hmm. at some point. Yes, yes, she does. And I think it's interesting we have... The the Emperor is both very present in the story, and also I don't think you ever actually have a face-to-face interaction with him. Yes, okay, I thought of that at the very end of the chapter, or the very end of the novella, because we finally get his name for the first time (laughs) in, like, the last paragraph of the whole novel. No face-to-face. Which, I mean, fine. Like, he was a terrible person anyway, and this was really Inyo's story. We don't really need him to play a bigger role in that than he did because he really doesn't play a huge role. I mean, he he's the one who, like, gets her south in the first place and uh, he, he kicks off the story, but she's the one who then takes it and makes it her own and finds her own way. But yeah, so Rabbit, you know, sees the Empress come. She's, you know, told not to look up, but she does. And so... Mm-hmm. Um, that's when they first kind of make contact, but Rabbit, you know, works her way up and she gets to, uh, clean the women's quarters. And so that's how she gets even closer to Empress Inyo is that she's the one who's, you know, taking care of all the cleaning, um, where all the wives are living. So Mm -hmm. they kind of get to interact that way. Um, but yeah, at the beginning, don't really know what Rabbit is trying to get us to understand. I, I'm just like, this is... A story of an empress who has a husband who's not paying attention. I don't really know what I'm supposed to be seeing yet. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I was like, this story is very metaphorical. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I was like, is there 
another story I should have read before this one. Right. Well, that's, again, I mean, there was the line of accuracy above all things. You will never remember the great if you do not remember the small. So I was like, okay, this is going to be one of those stories where I really, really have to pay attention to all of the details. And so I tried really hard to pay attention to all of the details, but I I feel like I still... It really was one of those things where everything kind of had to be (laughs) told to Mm -hmm. me directly before I got the full full picture, even, even though the the clues and everything were there so mm-hmm. yep. yeah yeah sometimes we have to be spoon-fed <laughs> uh we could skip to where we get the news that empress inyo is pregnant oh yeah that's the next note i have actually yeah okay perfect uh she's pregnant um we also start getting uh details about how she's really obsessed with fortune tellers so you'll kind of find out with her name. So she's like the Empress of Salt and Fortune. So Salt mm-hmm. comes from the North. So that's the connection to Salt. But then um, throughout the story, she's really invested in these fortune tellers. And so at first, you're not really sure what that's about. Um, later, it does play a really important role in her story. But she's just really intrigued by fortune tellers. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, she... This chapter, after she we find out that she's pregnant, she also meets this artist, Yan Lian, and they have a lovely night together. Um, yeah. So she tells Rabbit, I'm like, you know, um, I'm going to discuss the designs with with this artist. Uh, don't don't let anybody eavesdrop and and steal our designs. But no, that's not why she wanted Rabbit to <laughs> make sure yeah. there were no eavesdroppers. It's because she wanted to have a rendezvous with this lovely artist lady. <laughs> I know. Oh my gosh! And um, of note, this is an artist that Rabbit recommended to the Empress. Yes, not ju- not just one of the ones who's already in the palace. Mm-hmm. Just... Yeah. So Rabbit hooked this up, and mm-hmm. that brings them even closer. Mm-hmm. Yep. And the whole reason why she asked for an artist was because, I guess, the emperor had brought in uh, some sort of magistrate, magister, some- somebody that wanted to basically foster their son, um, for mm. them, you know, uh, like a ward, like as a ward, I imagine. Mm. And in return gave her a block of gold. Yeah. And she was like, I don't want this ugly block of gold. Yeah. I'm not going to wear the, a chain around my neck from you rabbit. Would yeah. you rabbits like, no, <laughs> exactly. So let's do something else. So they do, they turn it into this little gold mammoth cause mammoths are, they're from the north. They're very important to uh, her and her people. So it, it turns into this little, like, I think it's a plum-sized mammoth, which is just yes. really cute. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And also, like, how long ago is this? Because mammoths are still alive. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess they're also mages. It's a historical fantasy. <laughs> yeah. They're also mages. So that makes sense. <laughs> Christina's reading this as historical fiction and is confused. Well, I know. I'm like, okay, so the Sioux dynasty is real. Okay. And this is what really happened. <laughs> there was a real empress of salt and fortune. <laughs> I know so much about Chinese 
dynasties now. <laughs> well, just one. Nice. Anyways. <laughs> so the empress gives birth to her prince baby mm-hmm. named Kautan. And he is taken from her right away. Yes. And she is also rushed off right away. Basically mm-hmm. exiled right away. Yeah. 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 The emperor's yeah. like, you gave me an heir and um, I don't need you anymore. I also don't need that allegiance with the North. And he mm-hmm. kills her mom. Yeah. Just like sends her a letter with her mom's hair and, you know, exiles her, is done with her, doesn't need her anymore. So I actually thought this was really interesting. And I wonder how historically accurate this is, because it would be like pretty anthropologically interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, So she, whether it's the next morning or not, I'm not sure, but she wakes up and receives a message and it's, her mother's hair wrapped in birch bark mm-hmm. with a jacana feather. Yeah. And the jacana feather symbolized exile. Yes. And Rabbit tells her that if it had come with willow bark instead of the jacana feather, then it would mean that she would be executed instead. Yes. Ugh, which is insane. And I wonder if that is something that like really happened. Right. Because it does seem like people are getting exiled left and right. So, mm. I mean, it would be, it seems like it would be easier to just send it in a letter at that point. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. Then, that would be interesting. You know. I also think it's it's interesting the choice of exiling her instead of executing her because she still is, like, the highest ranking of the wives. She is the empress. Mm-hmm. She's the one who gave birth to the heir. Um, so, I mean, she does have power, but I think this is kind of the emperor, again, just not thinking she's capable at all. I mean, yeah. she's this um, ugly person from the north, you know? she's She mm-hmm. can't handle anything. She's not going to be able to do anything, so I can just do whatever I want with her. I don't need to worry about her as a threat. Right. And undermining the people of the North as a whole. Yeah. Yeah. Like, hey, they're up there. They're still hunting seals. Like, we're down here. We have all this technology, mm-hmm. supposedly, and <laughs> magic or whatever. And Christina's always looking for technology in books. <laughs> yes. Every book is a sci-fi <laughs> fantasy. <laughs> and, oh, um, gosh. you know. They probably just look at them as barbarians, basically. Yeah. yeah. And themselves as refined. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So yeah, so she's sent to to the lake and, and to Thriving Fortune. That's that's in going a palanquin. To her in a palanquin. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I've got you saying it that way now, and we're gonna be both wrong. <laughs> I do apologize. It's a palanquin. <laughs> Palanquin, we were right the first time. <laughs> um, and this is a detail where I wrote it down. I wrote the quotation down, but I didn't put 
the pieces of it together later in the story, um, where it said that she was weak, so weak after what the doctors had done to her to prevent there ever being another heir Mm -hmm. to contest the rule of the first. And so at this point, you do know, you know that there is now an an empress. You know that there is somebody who is who has followed Inyo's footsteps and is now in charge. And I don't know what I thought. I don't know. I mean, I kind of assumed that she was related to her somehow, but I don't know. I I didn't really put together anything like, wait a minute, she's not able to have any more children. Is this just like, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't put too much thought into it at all. I didn't either. I kind of was just like, oh, maybe she just marries the son, but like she's still able to like it's someone that she influenced or something. Okay. You know. Yeah. Mm. I don't know. I think I think that part missed me a little bit. I was more horrified that they like mutilated her. Well, yeah. Oh gosh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, not only are are you being exiled and your son was taken from you, but now they've done this to you as well. It's awful. Yeah. Like imagine getting a hysterectomy like 2000 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> or 3,000 years ago if mammoths are still alive. Because <laughs> this is historically accurate. <laughs> this is a historical novel with science fiction. <laughs> um, one thing that I also really liked about this is, and also something like, is this for real something that they, that's like culturally accurate? Um mm. In China, um, so the Plankin carried the Empress to the West, which her people and the An always said was the direction of death and endings. Mm. So is that something that's really culturally accurate? Mm. It was a small detail that I really loved. Uh, She refused to look to the West because she refused to accept her own death and her own ending. Instead, she looked to the North because that's where she's from and that's her home which I really loved. Yes. And there was another detail. So Thriving Fortune, where they were exiled to, they said they were there for four years before they returned. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. And um, so back to the salt from the north, this next chapter. So the item that they focus on is a container of black salt, Mm-hmm. that she ended up getting from the North at some point. Mm-hmm. Every year she's sent white salt from the North and because that is their specialty, mm-hmm. just pure white salt and black salt is black because of iodine or not iodine, iron, iron. Yeah. And <laughs> iron is like commonly in like blood and it kind of like tints it like black and like, a little red and like all this. And so it's kind of like, I don't know, like, was it her, the North saying that they were in trouble and that they needed her help? I almost took it as the North being like, all right, we're getting ready. Like we're gathering forces, you know, we need, we need some information, but like we're, we're, we can be ready to move whenever you need it. Okay. Type of thing. Like, we're ready when you are. Yeah. Okay. Because also in this chapter, we learn that, you know, the emperor... So, 
you know, he might be underestimating her, but he still is slightly cautious, or at least one of his, like, magistrates is super cautious of her, uh, because he keeps sending the, uh, the ladies, like, the servants there, and will switch them after, like, no more than a year, like, doesn't want anybody Mm -hmm. to get too comfortable, um, and is always constantly looking out to see if there's going to be any, anybody who's growing too loyal, or anybody who might be uh, treasonous. And so then we do have the one girl, uh, Kazu, who just likes to play games and just seems really sweet, but then is just so stupid when uh, the dude does come and is like, no, I had such a great time. Yeah, yeah. It's like, I had such a great time. Like, maybe we could play more games. And then everybody's just like, what are you doing? You need to shut up. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he's like, uh, do I need to get you a servant that works harder? Yeah, they try to play it off like, oh, like, yeah, take her away. She just plays games. She doesn't do anything. We don't we don't want her. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, unfortunately, they never do see her again. But she does accomplish. They had asked her. Uh, they found out that, you know, she also had an interest in fortune tellers. So we're going back to that fortune teller theme Mm -hmm. of like, okay, let's, you know, do you know some fortune tellers, like really good fortune tellers that you could put me in contact with? And so even though we never get to see this, um, lady again, you know, she does actually send fortune tellers to Inyo, um, which furthers her plan. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, I feel so bad for her. Like, so she was one of the emperor's wives who mm-hmm. was, I guess, you know, she started off as like a, I don't want to call her a street urchin, but I mean, right. kind of. And I mean, she's not as like, you know, dainty and ladylike. I mean, when we're introduced to her, doesn't she like hop up? onto like the porch where um rabbits like sweeping like just grabs and like pulls herself up and is like hey yeah <laughs> let's play some games <laughs> like, yeah yeah exactly like she's not familiar with court rules and etiquette and mm-hmm. um i i feel bad for her but i i do love the moment that they take to like hypothesize where she might be <laughs> You know, I I do like that they thought about her and that they yeah. did kind of attempt once they uh, had power again that they tried to figure out okay where is she, what could yeah. have happened to her. They did look. The Empress did look for her when yeah. she came back to court. Oh. <laughs> but yeah, unfortunately, she is gone. So yeah, at this point, I think we know that the empress is sending coded messages like chi seems to understand that there are coded messages going at this point i was like i don't know how coded messages are going with how closely she's being watched but okay mm-hmm. <laughs> like good for you empress inyo yeah so they kind of explain it not in the next chapter but the chapter after that the next chapter we get a new servant that replaces kasu and it's um, Sukai. Well, so Sukai is one of the um, one of the he's fortune one of the tellers. fortune tellers. Oh yeah, he's not a servant. Yeah, he's, he, a fortune he's lucky. Teller. He's one of the fortune tellers. We get we get mm-hmm. three fortune tellers. Um, we get Zhang Feng, who um, right. 
His his son was killed by the Imperial Guards. His wife turned into a kingfisher in her grief. So he, you know, has nothing to lose. He's perfectly fine yeah. with doing whatever needs to be done. Um, there's one Tai Mai who is this actress who like paints eyes over her eyelids. Oh yes. Yes. <laughs> I love her so much. <laughs> and and then we have Lucky who's Real name was Bucket because I guess it was, like, customary to come up with, like, a name that wouldn't get you noticed. <laughs> but then, uh, but then uh, in the story, he goes by Sukai, or at least that's what Rabbit refers to him as in the story. Okay. <laughs> so... And he's another interesting introduction where, like, he comes up and, again, Rabbit's, like, on the porch sweeping Mm because, you know, she still has her her duties uh, to take care of. And he just, like, starts juggling. And then he's, like, trying to impress her. And he's, like, adding more and more. And then it's, like, wait, but he's not bending down to pick them up. So where are they coming from? But she's, like, I really don't care. I'm just trying to clean. And then he, like, starts throwing the rocks really hard in, like, all directions until he gets to the last one. And he chucks it at her. And she's, like, what are you doing? She's, like, I think I might die right now. Yeah, if that were to hit my head, I would be dead. Like, rocks are dangerous. What are you doing? (laughs) But then it just turns into all of these petals. (laughs) She's like, well, now I have to clean this up. (laughs) (laughs) The empress comes out and just kind of like raises her eyebrows at everyone and is like, help clean this up and then just leaves. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So so he does. It's it's cute. I uh, so reading this book, I because Inyo and Rabbit are very close uh, mm-hmm. I have a very close relationship. But then we have Sukai arrive, and he's, like, trying to get close with Rabbit, and Rabbit's, like, not really interested, but she's interested. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I just think it's interesting. I, I mean, in the book, I don't think it ever explicitly, explicitly states a relationship between Inyo and Rabbit, but I definitely feel that there was more to their relationship than we necessarily saw. I mean, I think Sukai at one point is like, y'all are always together. Yeah. Like, you're always together. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) Yeah. It was definitely a lot closer than explicitly said. And I think, again, I mean, Rabbit is the one who is telling the story, so she's kind of, like, driving the story as well, deciding Mm -hmm. what bits get to be told. I think... I think this is the chapter when when she first starts talking about Sukai, we find out at the end that she wasn't actually talking to Chi, that she was talking to Almost Brilliant. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I yeah. I think because, because she was, like, trying to figure out how to phrase this part of the story and, and what parts she wanted to tell. And Almost mm-hmm. Brilliant was like, you know, like, my memory is, like, really good. Like, that's my purpose. I'm supposed to, like, record things. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm gonna tell Chi. I'm gonna tell yeah. them. Uh, and Rabbit's like, yeah, it's fine. It'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. Oh. But, that was but, you such know, a cute part. Oh. It was really cute. Almost it was brilliant. Just... <sighs> I love that little bird. That bird is so cute. <laughs> As is done a lot of times throughout this book, it's like we get this uh, foreshadowing and foreboding of like, yeah, he was called lucky, but he wasn't actually lucky. Mm-hmm. It's just like, oh no, we just met this adorable Sukai and I know. things are not going to go well for him. 
Right. Exactly. Ugh, poor Sukai. Then we start to, I guess, so in the present timeline, Chi and Almost Brilliant stumble upon this storage room. And mm. they're immediately overwhelmed with how much that they have to catalog in this room. Yeah. They're like, we're not going to make the apocalypse, or the apocalypse, the eclipse. <laughs> Very different it's things. Just, it's just an eclipse. It's not an apocalypse. Um, and I feel like Rabbit kind of pushes them in towards, like, the runes. And there are these rune sticks from the north. Mm-hmm. And they're sticks that are engraved with runes. Mm-hmm. And basically, you kind of stuff them like really tightly into this tube and let three fall out. Mm-hmm. And the first three that fall out read your fortune. Mm-hmm. And they were one of the Empress's favorite way to tell her fortune. And we find out later they're how she was spreading her. I guess, messages across the land. Well, like, messages and kind of, like, to-do list. It was almost like a hit list, almost. Yeah. Because there was one that was, like, mentioning the Iron General, and then it's like, oh, he died in the first purge. Like, mm-hmm. he um, he was somebody that Inyo definitely wanted to, you know, get rid of because he was really important in the battle against the North against her people. Um, Mm -hmm. So definitely somebody that she wants to get rid of. Um, Though he was the one where I guess the fortune tellers like wrote back basically like um, some endeavors are too great to be attempted. So that was one. You have to wait. You have to wait. Yes. (laughs) You can't do this right away. I think was it already that like we find out the star charts are the way that they're, like, kind of sending messages as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And Sukai is the one who's, like, really in charge of drawing up the star charts. He's the one who, like, does all the traveling. He he mm-hmm. goes back and forth between the north and, um, and where they are and kind of makes sure that all of the messages get where they need to go. Right. But but yeah, so Rabbit and Sukai, they spend a little bit more time together. They're mm-hmm. they're adorable. They have um, some really cute moments. Uh they have adorable banter. I like it. It's just very cute. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. The that chapter ends. We still don't know exactly what's going to happen to Sukai yet. Uh we know at the end of the chapter, Rabbit like had written something down but then then buried it. Like she wasn't ready to really tell mm-hmm. her story yet. She was still trying to figure out how exactly she wanted to tell it. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. then then I guess the next thing is Inyo is leaving. Not necessarily leaving exile, but, you know, she's like going on a pilgrimage type thing. Like, yeah. Allowed she wants to, to visit all these shrines. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Although, okay, also, so the chapter starts off with Chi finding a box of these tokens, Mm -hmm. and they're tokens that you get at these different shrines for visiting Mm -hmm. them, and I love that idea, (laughs) like, (gasps) making a pilgrimage to a shrine, like, and then collecting, like, a little token, Mm -hmm. I don't know why, like, I'd want to collect them all. (laughs) Right. I would be so inclined, even if I wasn't, like, inclined on that religion at all. I would just mm-hmm. be like, I need to, like, climb all these stairs, get to the shrine. Like, I need to get right 
I need to get that little monkey token and I need to get that little elephant token and Mm -hmm. uh, but the beginning of the chapter makes these tokens seem really sinister I don't know if you (laughs) thought that too (laughs) I didn't note that down but that's an interesting I don't know I can see it I guess I don't know just the way that rabbit was talking about them she was like she was like you didn't come here just for travel stories like you want to know the real story behind these tokens Mm -hmm. and I was like okay so like is Inyo gonna travel to each of these shrines and like slaughter Mm -hmm. everyone along her way (laughs) and collect tokens right from every village she kills this is the part of the story where it does get really sad for Rabbit. So I could see Rabbit being, like, having bad feelings about this pilgrimage and, and not really yeah. caring for it. Because, yeah, I, even though, like, this pilgrimage is something that the people of On like, would do, it's, I mean, she's, you know, assimilating to their culture. Here she is doing something that they would find acceptable. Still, the minister mm-hmm. of the left is like, mm. <laughs> Yeah. I'm very suspicious. I was suspicious, too. I was like, you're going to murder a bunch of people, aren't you? (laughs) That's what I thought she wanted to do. Mm. But also, like, the minister of the left, he has a crazy job. (laughs) Right? He's like the minister of punishment. I mean, I don't even understand. He's Mm. just a really mean person. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's trying to figure out what exactly they're doing, and he notices Sukai there, and ugh, then he's just like, oh wait, he's going on this trip? Yeah, no, he shouldn't go on the trip. And like, he's been going to the north, right? And so the minister has all of this information, because of course he does. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, well, I mean, Sukai, you know, fortune telling, I would love for him to come and do some fortunes, so yeah, let's just let Sukai come with me for a little bit. Like, he has your itinerary, he can... He can meet back up with you. And it's another one of those things where Inyo, I think, knows, like, oh, this is not good. But mm-hmm. she has to kind of play it off. She kind of tries the same technique that she tried with the other wife from who, like, liked to play games with her. Oh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of tries the same, like, yeah, I don't really care. Like, yeah, take them away. Like, yeah, it's fine. It didn't mm-hmm. work in either of those instances. So, yeah. But also, I mean, what else can you do? Exactly. Was she going to sit there and, like, like, fight the minister of the left right then and there? She wasn't equipped to do that. Yeah. And we do find out that the pilgrimage, you know, is super important because I think the quotation is that they're able to assess the strength of the empire's weather mages. Uh, The weather mages are super important because they had been used to basically hold off winter, and, and make mm-hmm. it so that the snow couldn't come down um, into the south and basically keep the mammoths in the north and then even make it so that they're kind of like sickly and can't really do much of anything. So, you know, they need to figure mm-hmm. out what's going on with the weather mages, like what their fortifications and troops are, where their loyalties lie. And then there was the quotation of, and all it cost was one fortune teller. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God. But, yeah. uh, We also get another way that they're sending messages. Because they have... This is a really intricate... Like, Inyo's not playing around. She is not. 
She, I she, loved this next bit. Oh my gosh. She has so many plans and so many ways of passing messages. So uh, she might not have her person who usually goes to the north, but, you know, they find out like, hey, it's it's tradition to release doves at each stop. And hey, Mai just happens to be a dove keeper's daughter. Mm-hmm. So she would release her own that had messages for the North, and that's how they would continue sending messages back and forth, which I thought was amazing. Oh my god, so brilliant. (laughs) (laughs) Like, who would ever suspect? You're like, this happens to be a tradition. Oh, and also they're great at carrying messages back and Mm -hmm. forth. Amazing. That Empress, she's like the most clever yeah, mm-hmm. she really is <laughs> a plan that's like years in the making and years to execute and just to have that patience and to go through step by step and eventually win. I mean, bravo mm-hmm. to her. She really put in the work for it. Really? I mean, she could have gone crazy while she was at Thriving Fortune, but mm-hmm. instead she became an empress. Mm-hmm. And then continuing with my, my, the one who draws the eyes on her eyelids. Yes. I love her so much. But she's the one who basically reveals to Rabbit, like, yeah, you're pregnant with Sukai's baby. Like, didn't you know? <laughs> and Rabbit's like, what? <laughs> we were never taught how to track cycles. Yeah. <laughs> I have other things to do. What are you talking yes. about? I'm busy sweeping that porch all the time. (laughs) (laughs) It's very important. Uh, But then, oh, and this is sad, because the minister does send Sukai along after them, but Mm -hmm. he's sent in a leather bucket that's sealed with wax. And so... yeah. That's not good. They, Inyo and <sighs> and Mai make sure that Rabbit, you know, doesn't see anything. But, I mean, she knows. She knows what mm-hmm. that means. Yeah. That's very sad. Yeah. Pretty ruthless. A mammoth cavalry comes down from the north. Mm-hmm. And destroys everyone. Yep. They they planned their rebellion well. They planned it very well. Though also, yeah. I, this is where we get the probably one of the biggest, probably the biggest reveal where yes. um, Rabbit says uh, this information could tarnish her memory beyond repair, unseat everything that she spent her life working for, and you are telling it to me, painful as it is for you. Um, I think that's what she uh, mentions because the new empress is not Empress Inyo's child at all. It's Rabbit's mm-hmm. daughter. It's Rabbit yes. and Sukai's child. Yes. And I think I think Mai is the one who says this, and I love this so much, where angry mothers raise daughters fierce enough to fight wolves. I am not worried for her in the least, is what um, Rabbit says about, like, the new Empress. Like, I'm not worried for her in the least. Like, that's how you get the reveal. Mm-hmm. Like, that the new Empress is her child. Yes. Ah. <sighs> Oh, but for that to happen, the Empress just waltzes when she goes back into the capital. She just comes in with this baby 
and just comes up with this crazy story that the emperor seed somehow made its way magically to her in thriving fortune right because apparently there are already stories set up where that's been known to happen magically. Right. I mean, I th- feel like the people were already kind of spreading rumors and being like, yeah, I mean, I guess that totally makes sense. I mean, the emperor was like super powerful. Of of yeah. course that would make sense. Uh, right. <laughs> like, well, of course. And- they do say that the emperors are one step below divinity. Yeah. So for everyone to believe that totally makes sense, mm-hmm. I suppose. Yeah. It still does kind of make me sad that they just like willy-nilly kill the prince in exile. Yeah, I I did wonder about that. I mean... Because at the time he should have only been like six. So he's not, like, well, fully I think, I indoctrinated, they, right? I, I think it said, like, they sent him to exile, and then it was, like, years down the road. So I don't think it was necessarily mm. killing of a child child, but eventually, yes, he was killed yeah. so that he can't be a challenge to the throne. Right. Which, yeah, it is It is sad that she can't really reunite with her child I don't know. On the one hand, I kind of get it, though. I mean, if he's been raised by the emperor and and has all of those same ideals, like, yeah, it would be really Mm -hmm. dangerous to have him threaten to take the throne. So, yeah, but it's still very sad. Yeah, I get it. Uh, Throughout the story, there are a couple different times where Chi has these dreams and the this part has where they dreamed of a young rabbit being reunited with Sukai and then they yes. they like become stars and it's just like the only thing that like rabbit asks is that the cleric you know lock up tight after they leave and it's just oh yeah it's just really yeah. sweet uh yeah so sweet because yeah because then rabbit's nowhere to be found Mm-hmm. The next morning. Yeah. And so <sighs> they do, they do. Chi, Chi does lock up tight and, you know, their next stop is the capital where the new empress is going to have her first dragon court and defend her claim to, to the throne. Yes. And so that's, I haven't, I don't really want to read the description to the sequel. I just want to read the sequel. Like, I don't want... Oh, yeah. So, so I can't tell anybody anything about the sequel and what it's about. I just know, I, I'm pretty sure it's still, Chi is, Chi and Almost Brilliant are in it. Um, mm-hmm. I'm assuming they're continuing their work of cataloging things. So I'm not sure if it'll be like a different site that, you know, Empress Inyo had cordoned off after she gained power. Because, again, she, like, cordoned off all of these different places that had, right. like, anything to do with her, really, in her life um, once mm-hmm. she took power and, and made sure that nobody could go there. So I don't know if it's going to be another one of, like, they go to a new site or if it's going to have anything to do with the um, the new empress and the dragon court. I don't know. Yeah. I know, is this the Eclipse novel, or is that going to be saved for a third one? Like, is this a mm. duology or a trilogy? Yeah, I don't know. 
I don't know, but I, I definitely want to read the next one. Oh, yeah. I feel like I'm going to read it soon while this one is fresh in my mind. Yeah, I agree. But I definitely recommend this book. Yeah, I, I mean, again, it's it's short, but it's filled with so many details. I mean, I, I feel like listening to our conversation, it's going to sound like a fairly simple novel but honestly it's just so beautifully written and there are so many more details that we didn't cover i i mean oh my gosh there's so (laughs) many small details that we did not even get into i i mean there would be times where like a character is introduced and then there would be like an offhand comment of like and then years later they were like found in ash or like something like that you know like you would get you would get these snippets of like, okay, here they are introduced and then, oh wait, here's how they're going to die and things like that. Yeah. So it's just, again, it's, it's, I'm sure there are so many details that even if I were to reread it, I would find new details and like new paths to follow. So. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. All right. Fun read. Well then time for Christina's favorite part. Before we close out this episode, <laughs> let's do some recommendations. Christina, do you have any recommendations? Oh, Hannah, you know I do not. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so honestly, I've been in a bit of a reading slump. Mm. But, you know, I can recommend uh, the last podcast network's uh, Deep Dive Dune podcast. (laughs) Okay. uh, Which is a novel that we read before we started recording as uh, (laughs) as a uh, book We have thoughts. (laughs) We have lots of thoughts on Dune. Um, Most negative. But... (laughs) But this podcast um, does give me some other viewpoints that kind of made me want to read the series again. (laughs) Definitely not reread the first book because I'm not going to change my mind. That first book was garbage. And I'm going to stand by that until the day I die. But (laughs) I might give the other novels a chance. Okay. Maybe. We'll see. I don't know. I might take a little short break from sci-fi or maybe what I really need is some Douglas Adams, some really, really light sci-fi. Okay. How about you, Hannah? What are your recommendations? Uh, I have a couple of recommendations. My first is The Citadel of Weeping Pearls by Aliette de Baudard. Uh, It's a science fiction novella part of a series of novellas. Uh, I've also read and liked On a Red Station Drifting, which is another part of that universe. Okay. Uh, The Citadel of Weeping Pearls weaves together the stories of an empress, her daughter, an engineer, a sentient ship, and, um, like, the leader (laughs) of the guards. I love sentient ships. (laughs) It's really interesting how they do it. Um... I don't know how much I can say since, again, it's this tiny novella, but 
basically this citadel slash space station disappeared many years ago and now multiple people are trying to figure out where it is and what happened to it Mm. um, and to the people on it. And so uh, the author is Vietnamese, so she weaves her culture into the story in a way that I really, really loved. Um, It's just all around a really interesting science fiction novel and series. I think she manages to pack a lot of world building in, which is very similar to Nevo as well. So short Mm -hmm. books, very full of detail. I would recommend that. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, my my second recommendation is a TV show uh, called The Untamed. It's based on a Chinese novel. The book title in English is The Grand Master of Demonic Cultivation. It's uh, <laughs> yes, it's a historical fantasy queer love story. Uh, it's okay. the story of the rise and fall and rebirth of Wei Wuxian and his soulmate, Lan Wangji. Um, I think sometimes the description of the show says that it's about Wei Wuxian and his good friend solving murders. Yeah, no. good friend. No. <laughs> <laughs> like, that gives you the complete wrong idea. Um, mm-hmm. It's an epic story. It takes place over the span of about 15 years. Uh, you get to see the characters grow up, learn cultivation or, like, magic Um there's a lot of political intrigue going on. There are different clans vying for power. Um, it's an incredibly intricate story, but at its center is the story of these two soulmates. And I think the show does an mm-hmm. amazing job of showing this, even though they're not super explicit with the romance. Um, <laughs> even though they're good friends. <laughs> even though they're good friends. <laughs> um, now, the book I've heard is much more explicit with the romance. Um it's also a chunker. I've read <laughs> about 250 pages, I think. I'm on chapter 30 out of 113. Um, I think there are 113 uh, chapters. Anyway, I know the book is around 1,000 pages. Um, <laughs> so I don't know for sure if I can recommend the book, but so far it's been great. Um, do double check any content warnings uh, before deciding to read it. Um, but honestly, watch the show. I think I would even say watch the show before you read the book because there's just so much going on. And I think it's been really helpful already knowing all of the characters. And I'm kind of getting to see how everything is pieced together as I'm okay. reading the book. And so so now reading the book, I have kind of those extra details that help the show make a little more sense. But also I'm able to just understand the book way easier than I think I would have if I had just gone for the book first. So anyway, I just kind of similar to the book that we read, The Empress of Salt and Fortune. I think the show might seem slow and you might seem like you're spending time on unnecessary details. That's where I think that there's kind of this connect where it's like, why am I paying attention to all of these little tiny details? This episode, what does this have to do with anything? But then once things start coming together... Like, your mind's going to be blown. I, yeah, I don't know. I, I know I bawled through multiple episodes, like, once things really started coming together. And, oh, anyway, Aww. it's fantastic. So watch The Untamed and then maybe read the book. <laughs> <laughs> All thousand pages. Yep. <laughs> it's also not actually out officially in English, but... 
you can find the translation online. <laughs> Good job, <laughs> Hannah. <laughs> I chose a book that's like really easily accessible. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, well, Christina, what are we reading next time? Next time we're going to read Born, a novel by Jeff Vandermeer. In Born, a young woman named Rachel is surviving in a post-apocalyptic world as a a scavenger in a ruined city half destroyed by drought and conflict. One day she stumbles upon Born, which is a green lump, a plant, or an animal. It exudes a strange charisma, but it makes Rachel see beauty in the desolation around her. Whoa. We shall see. Sounds super strange. We might not understand a word of this book. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yep. Sounds good. (laughs) Well, there you have it. Our next book. Nice, nice, nice. (laughs) All right. Well, All of our contact information can be found in the show notes. Thanks for joining in on our discussion. Until next time, don't forget to treat yourself.